We're talking about the series of the precious and the powerful blood of Jesus. And this is week four. We kind of ended last week beginning to talk about how that we have faith in the blood of Jesus. Actually, that's the foundation of our faith. And we're learning a lot what the Bible says the blood has done for us. So now remember Jesus 2,000 years ago, about A.D. 32, he went to the cross, right? And he, he, he said to Pilate, he said, listen, when Pilate said to him, why are you not talking to me? Don't you know I could release you or I could have you killed? And Jesus looked at him and he said, listen, no man takes my life. He said, I'll lay it down and I'll pick it back up again. So as, as realize this, that the blood we're talking about, Jesus' life was not taken, he laid it down, right? Had he not wanted to lay it down, there was no way they could have killed him, right? The Bible said there was legions of angels ready. If he would have just said, you know what, I don't want to do this, it's over, right? So, and it says, it never says in the Bible that his blood was spilled like he was murdered, no, he shed his blood willingly. And then he took his blood into the tabernacle that is in heaven, and he put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And the Bible says that that blood speaks. It says that that blood didn't cover your sin. It says it erased it. It erased it. God doesn't see you in your sin the reason why, it's not because he's God and he has some special ability. No, it's because your sin has been erased forever. forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that amazing? He remitted your sin, which means he forgave you. He canceled the penalty of sin upon your life. You know what the penalty of sin is, don't you? It's death. He canceled that. And then here's the cool thing. He removed, he purged your conscience. He removed the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. But you say, but pastor, so many Christians walk in the guilt of their sin and the shame of their sin. And to that I would say they don't have to. They're literally going by, well, I just feel so shameful. Listen, you don't ask yourself how you feel. You tell yourself how you're going to feel. Your flesh is crazy, okay? We, we have the first fruits of our, of our uh, salvation, don't we? Man, when I accepted Christ, Jesus came into my, into my physical body and he took out that spirit that was dead and separated from him. And I was made a new creature in him. It says old things have passed away and now everything has become new. What do I mean? Did, did all of a sudden I change physically? No, I don't have that yet. I've been brand new. I'm brand new on the inside. God put a new spirit in me. And that spirit now, what happens is the Holy Spirit of God took up eternal residence in me. The Bible says he'll be with me and in me forever. And then he, Romans, uh, Romans 5, 5, it says, he took the very love of God and he saturated me with that, shed it abroad in my heart. So now I'm brand new on the inside, but I still have to deal with this flesh. So he tells me, in Romans chapter 12, he says, listen, you, the spirit man that you are, 
present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Now that's crazy that Paul would write that. Paul was a Pharisee. He knew every Old Testament sacrifice and not one of them were living. They were all dead. But we are living sacrifices. Here's the thing, you'll know you're living. Because man, when you throw your flesh on the altar and say, no, you're going to forgive that person. No, and, and starting with you. No, you know, you're not going to get mad here. You're not going to do this. You're throwing that, that flesh on the altar. You know it's alive because that sucker wants to crawl off of there. Every time. Right? Amen. You, tur- you turn your back and it's like, come on. Right? When somebody comes to the door, our dog, our little mini pincher Zoe, man, she's just all over the place. And I'm like, get out of here. You turn your back. She's so fast. She's right back, you know? It's kind of the way your flesh is. So you present your body a living, holy sacrifice, and then you renew or renovate your thinking with the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that will renovate your thinking. The Bible says in the book of James, as you implant the Word of God in your heart, it brings salvation, wholeness, and healing to your soulish realm. And then the Bible says, as you renew your mind with the word of God, your life is transformed into the very image of Jesus. So, you know, if you've ever renovated a place, for you guys that are construction people and carpenters, what do you do? If you're going to renovate a kitchen, right? Jim, you know, right? What do you do? First thing you do is you tear everything out. I remember when I went to Bible school, a lady told me right before we went, she goes, man, be careful They'll brainwash you, right? And I looked at the woman and I said, oh man, I'm so excited about that. I need a good brainwashing. I wash my brain all the time, right? I meditate in the word of God day and night. Some of this crazy thinking. I lived a lot of my life thinking I was worthless. Think about how that's a slap in the face of God. But man, when that lie was exposed, it lost its power and I walked free from that completely free every once in a while the enemy will throw a thought of worthlessness at me and i'm like you're an idiot right but he's just fishing see i'm a spirit man so are you the bible is very clear we're a three-part being to understand the epistles you have to understand this to understand the pauline revelation you have to understand that i'm a spirit that possesses a soul the soul is comprised of my mind my will and my emotions and I live in a physical body. When the Bible talks about a Christian dying, the word death is the word separation. All that happens when a Christian dies is their spirit leaves their body and is immediately in the presence of God. It'll be the most exhilarating feeling you've ever felt in your life. Now, we won't taste death, the word spiritual death, because Jesus tasted that for us. So we don't have to. Isn't that good news? So see, if you look at God did everything, everything. He put in, he came, he sent his son, his son took your place. All of your sin, everything was paid for in his body on that tree. He paid for it all, right? He took your place. He took your death and he gave you his righteousness, 
The Bible says it this way. He was made to be sin so that you would be made to be the very righteousness of Almighty God. He took, our, took your place, and then what happened now, when you receive him, you become a brand new. The Bible says you're a new species, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new, and it's all of God. So now he put a new spirit in you, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you, and now you will be able to understand the word of God. Now people laugh, start reading the Bible. What's the first thing people always tell you? I have no idea what I'm reading. But it's not an intellectual book. This is spiritual food. It takes a little while. It makes no sense to your mind, right? So what happens is the Holy Spirit, if you'll meditate in the Word now, the Holy Spirit, He's the teacher. Today, I'm up here preaching, but He's the teacher. And He's taking this message that the Lord, when I preach, I feel like I'm surfing. It's kind of like I'm just flowing, right? You know, He woke me up this morning, early this morning, and kind of changed some things. I, I've got some notes, I don't know how much. I, I told the Lord, I'm like... I really want to go through some of these notes, so we'll see what happens. But I, we want what he wants, because he, he knows what we need. But as the Holy Spirit teaches you the word of God, and then all of a sudden, the Bible says he will open the word of God to you. The entrance of his word gives light. So he opens his word, and light comes out, and it enlightens your spirit man, and your spirit man learns the word of God. And then your spirit will communicate that by a thought to your mind, and that's what renovates. It's the washing of the water of the word, and it literally changes your life. It changes your perception. You go from seeing things, when you look at natural things, you're just seeing things as they seem. When you look at the word of God, you see things as they really are. You might think that you're defeated, but the world says, no, you're a world overcomer. So if you'll side with God, you'll see God move and change things. So the blood of Jesus, how did I get in all that? Man, all right, speaking of notes, let's go there. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, the precious and the powerful blood of Jesus has made you free, has made you new, and provided everything for you. Hallelujah. Today, as the Lord told me just not very long ago, he said, Tony, having called you as a pastor, as one of my under-shepherds, to educate people, I've called you to equip people. God wants you equipped. We feed you with knowledge of the Word of God, but also understanding how to apply the Word of God, but it's all spiritual. And it, and it equips you to go walk in the victory that God has for you. God will change every circumstance of your life if you'll just let him. Amen? So the biggest thing, we travel light as Christians. I think at one point, I don't know if you remember this, sweetheart, we were talking and, and the church finances, a bunch of people were leaving, other people were coming, and the Lord told us just, just love them when they leave and the momentum will never never drop we've never had momentum stop in this church and we never will and the finances won't go backwards 
And it was really funny because the Lord was having us do this and that and this and that. And all of a sudden, our general fund got low. And, you know, as the church administrator, she's like, whoa, we got we to gotta put some brakes on. And she's talking to me, and, and, and you stopped and you looked at me and said, don't you care? So I must have had a look on my face. And I told her, I said, I refuse. It's way beyond I don't care. I refuse to care. Because I know this, if I'm carrying the care, then God can't work it out. It's the same in your life. You need to learn this statement when the enemy throws some thoughts at you. Satan, you don't know how much I don't care. Right? It's so true. Man, my kids are going in the wrong direction. Satan, you don't know how much I don't care. Because God said, great will be the peace of my children. I don't have to care. He's working on it. I'm in faith. I'm at rest. Yeah, but this situation, if this doesn't work out, man, the doctor said I could die. Well, God said you will not die, but live and declare his works. Right? So it's like, listen, I could rest in the middle of all this. We rest. It's the highest, it's the highest manifestation of faith is rest. When you cease trying to figure it out and work it out and you let him lead you and guide you, he'll lead you and guide you into all the truth. He always, the Bible says he always gives you the victory. He always causes you to triumph in Christ. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Wow. In other words, there's not, as Smith Wigglesworth, this great minister in England said, there's not one thing that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse. What does that mean to you today? There's nothing you've done that God can't forgive or that he hasn't even already forgiven. There's not one thing that you've ever done that his blood didn't cleanse. So don't buy the lies of the enemy. Listen, your past is not to dictate your future. God is a God of miracles. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 18 goes on to say, now where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin he put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven once and for all remitted your sin you're forgiven the penalty has been canceled this is what this greek word means and the guilt and the shame has been removed now we're the now we're remission of these is There is no more offering for sin. In other words, there's no more offering because Jesus went to the cross. He did it once, and it's done. When he hung on the cross, when he hung on the cross, he didn't say, it is almost finished. Right? No. He said, it is finished. It's finished. I love that. Jesus took our condition. His blood 
so completely changed us, I'm talking about on the inside, that there is no evidence of anything to do with Adam anymore. Remember, the Bible's about two people. What Satan did to mess up humanity through Adam cannot be compared to what God did through Jesus to put it all back in place. His blood so completely changed me that there's no evidence of Adam anymore in me. Isn't that amazing? The blood of Jesus, as we said before, it silences the voices of guilt and shame. Oh, if you'll believe what the blood did for you. Hallelujah. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Listen, every time you come to prayer, you come boldly. But you're not coming bold. See, bold, boldness comes from knowing God. There's a counterfeit to boldness. It's called arrogance, where I'm all that, right? When I, when I, when I was in the corporate world, I was around a lot of professional athletes. And just, you know, I, I would date myself if I told you some of the names. Phenomenal physical, just, just physical genetic freaks, I would call them, you know? I mean, is, is it natural for a guy to be able to jump 48 inches off the ground with one step? That's crazy. That's 6'11". You know, I mean, just crazy stuff. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it even possible that somebody could bench 600 pounds and run a four-something 40-yard dash? That's crazy, right? And some of these guys were so arrogant. I mean, they, they walk in, it's like, look at me right? And then there were other guys. I remember when I met my childhood hero, Julius Irving. He was my childhood hero. And I met him the year that he retired. And he was playing for the 76ers. And, and I got to talk to him. He's a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And man, he would just tell me, he goes, you know, God gave me this incredible talent and gift. And, and I've used it my whole life to play the game that I love, and then to be a role model for others. But it was, it was all like, yeah, God, God did this. And see, that's the way it is for us as Christians. Paul said this, I am who I am by the grace of God. Hallelujah. God makes no mistakes. Hallelujah. It says here, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ... Faith in the blood will produce a bold confession. It always will. And remember, when we say confession, it's the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. What is our confession? We say the same thing that God says. So if God says you can do all things through Christ, who, who strengthens you, right? If he says that, then even if you feel weak, see what happens to you when you walk around and go, and Father, I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because right now, the God of heaven is watching over his word to perform it. Jeremiah tells us that. Right? He will perform the word of God. So we have to speak the word. But that comes from having faith in the blood. The blood of Jesus erases 
All those voices in your mind that try to get you living in your past, right? So what happens? In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Christ against every thought that speaks and against all of the enemy's attacks. When I'm pleading the blood, what what I'm saying is, I rest my case in the blood. Sickness, I've got sickness in my body. Father, I just rest my case in the blood. Has no legal right. It's got to leave. Right? Finances, you got to change. Great will be the peace of my children. My children will be taught of the Lord. My seed will be mighty on the earth. The path of the righteous, it increases more and more, not just for us, but for our children as well. Amen? So verse 20, it says here, By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. What was the veil? That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, now, knowing all of this, having faith in the blood, it says now, verse 22, let us draw near with a heart of full assurance of faith. This means no more wondering how God's going to do it, no more wondering what or if God's going to move. Nope, I have a full assurance. What he said, he will perform in my life. If he said he gave it to me, then it's mine, right? If he said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he said all things are possible to him who believes, then all things are possible to him who believes. That's my final say. That is the truth, and his word is truth, right? Not subject to change. It says here, having our hearts, let us draw near, verse 22, with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. See, now as I come before God, our heart or my heart has confidence because my conscience has had sin removed from it. No more feeling unworthy. No longer living sin conscience. See, you got to realize all this guilt, shame, and sin stuff We are choosing it again after we've been cleansed from it. And don't choose that stuff. Now, I will say this. A lot of Christians live in a lot of inner turmoil, and the inner turmoil is not coming from the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit, he doesn't convict you of your sin. He doesn't have to. Your own spirit does. So when you're living or doing stuff that's contrary to the word, your spirit man's going, what are you doing? And and see, when you realize what the blood has done for you, God's irresistible. The more you get to know him, the more you feed on him, the more you'll run after him. Paul preached this. He said, basically, you know, the Judaizers who would come behind him when he would go preach, they would say, don't listen to this guy. He's given everybody a license to sin. But Paul knew the road that would walk you free from sin Because you've already been made free, but what would change your behavior is knowing who you were. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've been made new by the blood of Christ. I love that. So now we know God is able to keep me. He's able to make me stand. Right? He's able to give me the victory in every situation. He's able to save me from the uttermost. He's able to meet all of my needs. 
knowing this, now I could enter into his rest. That's how it works, right? It's all about knowing him. So many Christians have, have had a glimpse of knowing him at one point in their life as their savior. And then they don't ever grow to know him in every facet of that. When you know him as your savior, part of that means healer, provider, deliverer. He's the one that never leaves you. This is, it, it, he's the one that makes you whole. So it says in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says, being justified, that means being made righteous, how? Freely. Do you know it didn't cost us? We didn't have to pay for this. Being justified freely. This word freely in the Greek means without charge or effort. Did you notice when you got saved, you just had to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You didn't have to climb the highest mountain. You didn't, okay, when, if you could bench 400 pounds, you're in. Nope, it was not, no effort. It was faith. Because Jesus did all the effort part. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. We mentioned this before. That word means a mercy seat. So on the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, which there is one in heaven as well, on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubs that would cover the Ark, and the Ark of the Covenant had on it, there was a mercy seat right there. Jesus was made that. God the Father sent him to be the mercy seat. What do we mean? He put his blood on that mercy seat. He became the propitiation. And it says here, through faith in his blood. In other words, faith is a lifestyle. It is the lifestyle of believers. So now if you think about this, it says the just will live by faith and walk by faith. Do you know you can't do that without hearing God's word? So you have to literally have revelation of God's word where God's word is speaking to you on the inside because that's where faith comes from and we are to live by faith and walk by faith. So that tells me that this has to be the foundation of my life. This has to be the number one thing in my life. I build my life around everything else. I could tell you this. Man, it's worth it. It is worth it. Man, I've, tried, I've done it my own way. There's no life in that. Doing it his way, it's amazing. Because God made you. See, he made man not to do his own thing. He made him in his own image. Do you know God the Father does nothing alone? He does everything with God, his son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. They do everything together. If you look at the whole Bible, God the Father comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. The Holy Spirit never speaks of himself he only speaks and testifies of Jesus. 
Jesus, when he was on the earth, he says, listen, everything I say, I'm saying only what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. In other words, Zoe life is not doing your own thing. Satan wanted to do his own thing. He's the worship leader in heaven, and he comes to the point where he's like, hey, listen, I got an idea. I've been watching God speak and create galaxies and do all this stuff throughout eternity, so I'm going to say, I'm going to ascend above the throne of God. I'm going to be like the, whole, like, like the Almighty. He thought he could speak it into existence, but the problem is he can't speak it into existence because he's not God. Only God's word speaks things into existence. But he tells us as his kids, you speak my word, which is full of life, and I'll perform it, and I'll bring things, and bring things to pass in your life. See, Satan tried to do it on his own, and that turned out really bad, because then God said, nope, you're going to be cast low, right? He probably still has a lump on his head being cast out of heaven to the earth. But he's spiritually dead, so he's stupid. So he'll come to men. He'll come to young men. They'll create a band by the name of Kiss, Knights in Satan's Service, who will write a song, a Son of Thunder. And the whole song is about Satan being the Son of Thunder, like it's a big thing. Like if you've ever seen the band Kiss from the 70s, their S's are like lightning bolts, which is hilarious to me. Because Satan was cast out of hell. Wham! And so, but, but people don't know it, so he comes and deceives. Hey, I'm big and bad. I'm the son of thunder. See how deceived people are? It's just crazy. I remember when my roommate, man, in the early 80s, I was renting a room, you know, uh, and, and this guy, he goes, yeah, I go, what are you doing tonight, Joe? He's like, oh, I'm going to a concert. Right? And I'm like, oh, where is it? He goes, at the L.A. Coliseum. I'm like, What? I'm like, who, who is this? He goes, oh, it's friends of mine. You know, their band's playing. I'm like, well, who are they? Kiss. And he goes, Tony, he goes, those guys are serious. He goes, they're as serious about their God as you are about yours. He goes, man, before, he goes, the first time I went back, he go, I'd go backstage and smoke some weed with them and party a little bit, do all this stuff and, and everything. And he goes, then all of a sudden they'd get real serious. And they would start praying to Satan. He goes, I've heard you pray in your, his bedroom was across the hall from mine. He goes, I've heard you pray. He goes, they were praying as serious as you pray. And they were asking Satan to, to fill their mouths so that they could communicate his message to people. Wow. I got to tell you, all roads lead to death. He is the loser of losers. Right? But we are of God. We are light. So we have faith in his blood. And then it says this. Through faith in his blood, this lifestyle of faith, we never move from faith. It's like breathing, right? I've said this to you guys before. You never decide, well, you know, I'm just not going to breathe today. Right? No, no. That's exactly the way faith is. We just walk and live by faith. If you ever get out of faith and you start moving and you're in the word of God, your spirit will go, what are you doing? Because you can't, you can't. Right? Because God's called us to a plan. He's called you to do something in the earth according to his ability. 
See, we don't do anything alone. We do everything with him. That's how we're created. We're united with him in fellowship. And that's the way, that's life. So God will never call you to do anything by yourself or for yourself. But man, I'll tell you, he has called you to leave an eternal footprint in this earth for this season of your life. He wants you to do great things with him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So to have faith in God, you got to have faith in his blood. You can't talk about confession, our speech, our words, and leave out the blood of Jesus. Part of living by faith is a revelation of the power that is in the blood of Christ. Every breakthrough in faith Let me say this again. Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge of God's word. If you need a breakthrough in your life, it's going to come as you get a breakthrough of revelation knowledge from his word. Because every time, see, a revelation of God's word, it reveals something else about him. And that's when you progress. I meditate in his word. He reveals something about himself, and then I progress. I meditate in his word. He reveals something about himself, and then I progress. And nobody can stop you. Nothing can stop you because you're in him. I love that. Hallelujah. So, this faith life There's really two aspects that you need to know. Two aspects. Number one, you must have accurate knowledge of the word of God. And herein is the problem. We have crazy stuff being preached many times. Well, you know, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Really? What scripture is that? Is that first or second imaginations? Because it's surely not in the Bible. The Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes. And in Christ, amen. Amen. Right? Well, you know when your time is up. You know when your time is up and the big guy just takes you. Really? Where's that in the Bible? Well, oh, I know that one. We have an appointment. There's an appointment. There's a date set for everyone where we will leave the earth. Really? So God must be schizophrenic because there's several scriptures that tell you you could shorten your life or you could lengthen it. But could could it be that if you really read it, you'd find out, oh, it's appointed for all men once to die, to be separated. But guess what? You have a big part in setting that. God never takes anybody. Well, you know, the Lord just took that little child that died. Really? Where is that in the Bible? Because it's not there, and quite frankly, I feel like slapping you for saying that about my God. And the poor parents are sitting here going, why, why did God have... No, no, there's a thief here. Forget all these books are written about why bad things happen to good people. It's, here's the book. It's a mini book. It's because there's an enemy in the earth, Satan, and he oper- he's a killer. Yep. But, know this, 
You have been given authority. Luke 10, 19 says that behold, Jesus said, I give you delegated authority, we learn in his name, over all the ability of the enemy, over all of Satan's ability, and to tread upon, have absolute mastery over all this demonic influence. And it says in Luke 10, 19, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But nobody wants to preach that because, oh my gosh, what if? What if it doesn't happen? They'll be mad at me as a pastor. Get over yourself. We don't make doctrine because of circumstances. Right? So, so we got to get the word in us. We have to have accurate knowledge of the word of God. But the second thing is we have to know how to apply it. Okay? We have to know how to apply it. Faith is made up of these two parts. You have to know how to apply it. Now, there's a great Old Testament scripture. Turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 22 and verse 23. This happened the night before the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And it says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop. This was like a plant. And dip it in the blood, that was the blood of the Passover lamb. They would kill the Passover lamb the night before they went out of Egypt. And they would take it, they would drain the blood, and then they would dip this plant in it. You're to dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and you're to go out and strike the lintel and the two side post with the blood that is in the basin. So in other words, like a doorway. So, so if you look at the door, they would put the blood on the top and along the two sides of the door. It wasn't enough for them to have the blood in, the, in, their, in their hut. They also had to apply it. Right? And it says, And none of you shall go out of that door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. Now this is interesting, and this is, this is a, great, a great scripture. So did God kill the firstborn of everyone in Egypt? Because it says he's going to go through and smite. Right? He's going to go through and smite them. But I'm here to tell you that Hebrew verb, it would read literally, for the Lord will pass through to allow the Egyptians to be smitten. It was in the permissive tense. But it says here, and when he sees the blood, all of a sudden it changes. When who sees the blood? Upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Well, who's the destroyer in the Old Testament? Satan was caused, called the destroyer. So here it is. God is saying, I'm passing through. And when I see the blood on that doorpost, and I see that destroyer coming to kill your firstborn, I'm going to come and I'm going to cover. And I'm not going to let him in. Hello. Sounds a lot like Psalm 91. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm telling you, abiding in this is having faith in the blood. Good preaching. 
I plead the blood over my children. I plead the blood over my grandchildren. They won't be harmed. They won't be abducted because I'm a child of God and I know my authority and there's angels that will protect them. And if a destroyer ever comes towards them, God himself will cover them and protect them. We have to have faith in the blood. It'll protect you. It'll protect your house. This is not my idea. This is Bible. See, it's not enough to come to church and hear faith. You've got to take the faith and you've got to apply it to your life. The Lord will cover you. See, God is not looking for talent. He's looking for the blood. See, in the children of Israel, he probably didn't go, oh man, you know what, here comes the destroyer. You know, this guy who lives in this house or this lady is really talented. I, I'm just going to protect him. No, he can't do that. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for, he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you just as much as he loves Billy Graham. God, there's no variableness in him. He is no respecter of persons. It's for every one of us. God is looking for the blood. So when you're like, Father, I have faith in the blood. Right? Man, you could stand and God will move. This is huge. The children of Israel not only were to have the blood of the Passover lamb in the house, they had to apply it to the doorpost. A lot of Christians are being stolen from by the enemy. They're having things destroyed in their lives because they're not applying it. So in the New Testament, the blood is applied with the hyssop of your voice or your words. In the Old Testament, it was applied with, right, with the plant. But in the New Testament, you apply the blood with your words. This is why the Bible says things like this in the Old Testament. My people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. And the word destroyed means that they are silenced and cut off from the covenant. If Satan can silence your mouth, he can cut you off from the covenant that's already yours. So never stop. The Bible says you're never to let the word depart out of your mouth. You're to be talking about it all the time. My wife says I talk in my sleep. I'll preach in my sleep. Which, you know, I'm half Sicilian, so sometimes I wake up and I feel bad because I see this pillow in between us. Because she's like, man, you have massive hands. And they start waving. She goes, I don't want to get hit by one of those things, right? It's hilarious. It's not enough to know about the blood. It's not enough. You must apply it over your house. You must apply it over your life, over your children, over your family, over your job. Your job is to be, uh, literally, your job is to be worship. God wants you to come to the top of your field in every, every time. Why? Because he wants to show the world Jesus. You apply it to your ministry. You apply it to everything. I love that. Apply the blood. All right, I can't go any further. This scripture, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians oh, chapter 2. 
Thank you, Lord. It's in, let's go to verse 12. It says that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. That's God. That's where you've been called to. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you, and now look at this. Why did they thank God? Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but you did receive it as it is in truth, the word of God, which does what? Which effectually works also in you that believe. In other words, today, you're not receiving the word of Tony if you really want to get something from here, you're receiving the word of God as it truly is. It's his word, and if you'll believe it, his word will effectively work in you. It'll do a work in you, and I'm telling you, what's on the inside will manifest on the outside. That's how come if you're around here very much, you'll hear me talk about overflow. All of our life is to flow out of the overflow of our personal walk with the Lord. My life as a pastor, my life as a husband, my life as a father, as a grandfather, my life as a friend, in every arena of my life, anything good is because it's coming out of overflow. If, it's not, if there's no overflow, there's nothing good coming out of it. That's how come Psalm 23, our cup is not full. He anoints our head with oil so that our cup is running over. The anointing causes an overflow, right? So now jump over to Matthew chapter 4. We're talking about the power of God's word. See, once you understand the blood and you have faith in the blood, it causes you to speak. So look at what Jesus said about the word of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Hallelujah. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus is being tempted right? I'll start in verse one. When he was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the, and then, or I'm sorry, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if you be the son of God, amazing. First thing Satan did, he came at Jesus's weakest point. And the first thing he questioned is his identity. Look at, look at what the enemy's doing today with identity. You decide what truth is, person. You decide who you are, what your identity is. Oh, no, no, no. Your creator does that. Because the enemy gets an open door when identity's messed up. And this is why we teach the word, so you will know who you've been made in Christ. He said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. In other words, he hits you right at your weakest moment. Medical science tells us the body, when you fast for about three days, it's, you're miserable. All you're thinking about is food. Your body's screaming at you, but then it goes quiet. But then at the 40th day, oh, you've depleted every system in your body, and now a hunger comes back 
It's a starvation hunger because your body is telling you if you don't eat, you'll die. And right at your weakest moment, here comes this little punk, Satan. Hey, Jesus, just command that these stones be made bread. Now, it had to be, that had to be possible. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a temptation. But look at what Jesus said. Now, see, the reason why he said this is because it came out of him. You can't fake this. You're like a sponge. When you get pressed, what's on the inside will come out. If you don't like what's coming out, change it. Fill yourself with the word. Right? But he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written, now he's going to quote the word of God. When Satan comes at you, you should, the first words out of your mouth should be, it is written. The Holy Spirit will always give you the word of God to respond to him. Because the Bible says in the New Testament, if I submit my life to the Lord, I could resist the devil, we know with the word of God, and he will flee from me. But a lot of people are trying to resist the devil without being submitted to God. But how do you submit yourself to God? You submit to his word. His word is everything. So he said here, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, how you and I are going to live Zoe, the life and essence of God. Remember John 10, 10? I only quoted half of that scripture. It says, Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but then he said, but I am come that you might have life. It's the Greek word zoe. It's the very life and essence of God so that you would have the God kind of life and that you would have it over, an oversupply. Actually, in the Greek, you could, too much of it. Do you know that you have been given too much of the life of God? What do you mean too much? It's too much for you. You gotta give, you gotta give, you have so much, you have to give it away. You have, you have so much, you are completely full and all that overflow, you gotta go give it away. Because God wants everybody to have it because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that amazing? So the word of God, he, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So now let's look a little further into the word of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, for the word of God is quick. That means it is full of zoe life. And it's powerful. That means it's active. That Greek word means it's active and it's effective. So it's full of life. It's active and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. In other words, see, it's a two-edged sword. If you study, that's a whole message. But why is it a two-edged sword? Well, one edge is what God said. But the other edge is what you're saying. So when you say what God says, it will tell you 
It'll divide soul and spirit. It'll tell you, hey, this thing you're thinking of doing, that's just you. But this thing that you're, that, that's down there, this is me, me directing you. It'll tell you what's you and what's God. It's the only thing that can. See, a lot of Christians are letting their feelings and emotions lead them. But we're not to be led by our feelings and emotions. Your feelings and emotions, you know, we, we call this positive thinking. We, you know, they get positive thinking from the Bible, they just don't go deep enough, right? Been to some Tony Robbins seminars when I lived in California. You know, some, some great positive thinking truths. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? The guy's vulgar, he doesn't know me. Why don't you learn from my word? And that's when he first told me, he said, Tony, I'm not about positive thinking. I want you to think unlimited. This is about unlimited thinking. This is about when everything says the battle's over, you know it's not over. This is about, this is about you, have, you knowing that you've already won every battle that you go into. You've already won it. So you could tell the end from the beginning. Could you imagine? Do you think if a football team was down by four touchdowns with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, but they already knew that they won the game, do you think they'd be stressed? They'd be excited. This is going to be the most incredible two minutes of our life. Do you know how many Christians right now are freaked out about what's happening in the world? They're afraid. They're freaked out. Guys, we win. We've already won. We need to get excited. This is, I mean, with all this junk going on in the world, I'm like going, okay, wow, he's going to have to make a way where there is no way. Haggai 2 says that God's shaken everything that can be shaken. And every, all of us are going, yeah, definitely. But then in the midst of that, he goes, he, we find out that he's shaking it to bring a harvest in. But then he goes, hey, by the way, the silver's mine, the gold's mine. In other words, just hide and watch. It might be different than what you're thinking, but man, you're going to see, you're going to see my provision coming in here like you've never seen before. I love that. His word is full of life and power. It divides us under soul and spirit. It divides us under joints and marrow and is a discerner. So the word of God not only divides, but it discerns. That means to see and know. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. In other words, the word is your anchor. When you start moving in a wrong direction, you'll adjust that's how come when the word talks about a spiritual mature believer, he's one that speaks the word of God in the love of God. We never beat somebody up with the Bible. We never tell them how they're supposed to live, right? I can't, I'm your pastor. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I'll teach you the word, but I'm up to here with keeping me right. Because I got this six foot three flesh that likes to climb off the altar, will say stupid things drive down dodge somebody who doesn't even know who i am they're just late to work and they cut me off i was going down dodge the other day and i'm just on this lane and this guy is right next to me and all of a sudden he decides he needs to get off at 132nd street and he's in the middle lane and he literally just started i mean moving over i had to swerve out of the way and immediately my flesh is like, you know, 
And I mean, I'm just like, that guy almost hit me. And, and you know, your flesh is going, why did he do that to you? Who does he think he is? You know, he could have damaged your car and hurt you. And that's, and you know, and all, and, and this guy, I'll guarantee if you talk to him, he didn't even see me. Didn't even see me. So I got it right that time. I'm like, Lord, bless him. And then, now, I don't get it right all the time, but that time I did. And then I'm just like, okay, I got to just, you know, keep listening to this teaching going on, right? Man, Lord, just bless him. Man, lay hands on him suddenly. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I've lost you guys now. He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. So as we're kind of coming down now, let's keep going with this. So let's talk about the word of God. I mentioned this earlier, but I want you to lay your eyes on it. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 130. Hallelujah. I love it. The foolishness of preaching. Man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Psalm 119, verse 130. So words, you've heard me say this, are containers. They contain thoughts which will mold you. That little saying that kids have growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but but names will never hurt me. That's a lie straight from the pit. The names hurt a lot more than the sticks and stones. So in other words, this bottle would be the word of God. The water would be his thoughts. And his thoughts will mold you and shape you. So here's the thing. When you read the word of God down on the inside of you, it says here in Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of his word. That, that, Greek, or that Hebrew word's a little vague. It means the opening. So the Holy Spirit, you can't see the word of God unless he opens it to you. The opening of his word gives light. What comes out of his word is light. Right? So now go back to verse 105 of the same chapter. Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says now his word. See, when the light comes out of the word, it becomes a lamp to your feet. It will tell you where you are. It's the only thing that can. So in other words, if the word is not first place, you don't really know where you are. Now you might think you do, but Satan is a master deceiver. But it'll not only light, he'll light, it'll be a lamp to your feet, but then it will light your path. So in other words, it'll tell you which way to go. The word of God will lead you. The word of God does everything. So we've talked a little bit about God's words. So now let's talk about the other edge real quick. Go to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 20. Now we're going to talk about the words that you speak. It says a man's belly 
shall be satisfied, this is verse 20, with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. In other words, you're never going to be filled if you're not speaking increase. Got to speak the word. How are you going to be satisfied? A man's belly is satisfied by the fruit that's coming out of his mouth as he speaks the word of God. Why is verse 20 true? Because here is why. Verse 21, because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power. This word power, it it doesn't only denote power, but it literally, the strength of this means the direction. Life and death is in the direction of the tongue. In other words, your tongue is your steering wheel. It will steer you out of death into life, or it could steer you out of life into death. So Satan always wants to control your tongue. The tongue, it also means to hand. It means your tongue will hand you things. It will hand you life or it will hand you death. Isn't that amazing? So we have to be careful what we speak. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. Right? So now let's go back to Proverbs chapter 10. You're right here in chapter 19. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 10. Let's look at verse 11. Boy, don't you love the word of God? Sometimes when I get going in this, man, is there a lot of scriptures coming up. But I'm I'm fixing to close. I got to be more than fixing because it's 1029. It says the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. This word in the Hebrew language for well, it literally means it is a source of life. Your mouth. What are you saying, pastor? That you can literally saturate your life with the Zoe life of God by just speaking it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to close with this. Yeah, I am going to close with this. See, in my world, guys, the Lord tells me, I want you to go until I'm done. I'd love to tell you that I've missed it by going too short. I've literally never missed it by going too short. But I have missed it by going too long. But if I close with this scripture, I will hit it right on the head. So you guys are blessed. (laughs) If I love the Lord because his mercy is limitless. (laughs) Ephesians 4.29, it says this, so let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearers. So our speech, we are never to say anything to one another that does not edify. That word means to build up. If it doesn't build up, we're not to say it. Boy, that would 
change some of our speech. And husbands and wives just both look straight ahead and just smile right now. You know, none of this, did you hear that? Right? So we're not to, now see, and notice this, you're in control here. It says, don't you allow corrupt communication. In other words, you have the power to say, no, I'm not saying that. Right? Man, I'm telling you, you'll lose weight if you do this. Because you'll want to say some stuff and you're just going to have to go work out. Man, I just, you know, you walk in and you're like, uh, you know, I got I to gotta go lift or do something, man, because, right? Because I can't let that. Because do you want to spew death? You don't want to do that, right? So realize this, guys. We have faith in the blood. It's the foundation. It's literally, so because of that now, we walk and live by the faith of God. We believe his word in our hearts and we speak it out of our mouth. And that's how we bring the life of God into our life. Amen?